I want to call my team up, um, all the DLT guys, if you'll come up, we got some stools we're going to pull up here. We're going to talk about how do you see those things together? How do you process decisions together? How do you work out disagreements and challenges together? And these guys, give them a big hand as they're coming up. My wife's going to come up too. We're just going to talk a little bit about teamwork. Again, this is a little different. Our morning sessions are going to be more practical. How many of you out there are currently working in some way with a team, and it doesn't have to be at a church, but you're working with other team members out there. Wait, raise your hand. If your job requires you to have to work with other team members, okay. All right, many of us in this room. So I think this is gonna apply to all of us out there. So let me just go down the list real quick and share who these guys are, starting with Mark. Mark, tell them who you are and what you do. Mark Kresge, I serve as the executive director of Victory College. You should come this fall. It's going to be awesome. I had to do that, and that's awesome. And I oversee our, our team pastors um, from the executive level, team pastors, next gen, uh, some of our campus development, things of that nature. So, yeah. My name is Daniel Henshaw. I get the honor to serve as our director of operations. So I oversee a lot of our day-to-day -day operations behind the scenes with facilities, HR, finance, uh, AV, a lot of the different behind-the-scenes teams that support the vision of the house and the teams that are out on the front lines. Uh, my name is Kevin Bjorklund. I oversee uh, the media department and the tech department, so anything that's involved with creating content for web, media, and then technology here at the church. Awesome. I get to, I get to work with him in the same department with anything that has to do with services or production without our camp, throughout our campuses, Manford and downtown. Um, any, anything that we get to do when it comes with graphics, website, apps, uh, the, the, basically anything that, yeah, anything that has to do with production. I get to work with our awesome uh, Chris Trowbridge, who's over our audio visual, um, the people that are running cameras. Everyone that you don't see, you just open your eyes and be like, like what Pastor Paul was saying, open your eyes and just look up to the camera people and just go, I see you, you're doing a great job. Come on. Because that, that's who we get to work with and serve with. So. Love it, AJ. My name is AJ, I am the administrative pastor and also the executive director of the Tulsa Dream Center. Here on site, I oversee local and global reach, single parent ministry and camp victory. Come on. And Ryan Edwards, I don't know if he's here, but he works with our school. I see Jim Cherry back there. Jim is our superintendent of Victor Christian School. Come on, give him a big hand. Uh, so, yeah, we got some of the summer fun kids in the house today. Yeah. Good to have you guys here. So we're going to just talk a little bit about working together and working through challenges. Uh, let me just open this up to any of you guys that would like to share what are some things that y'all have learned whenever we've had to come together on a decision that we may not see eye to eye on and uh, how we do that? Who wants to start off first? AJ. AJ is the one that gets in the most disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, in my head I was thinking, they're gonna say AJ because I, I guess I'm the, I challenge the most. Um, we're tied, I think we're tied. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Ashley's actually first. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. We got a great bond. I think the greatest statement that I heard years ago from two statements, seek to understand mm. before seeking to be understood. Come on. What that means is make sure you're not trying to, what, what that means to me is make sure that I am not trying to force my thought process on someone or my perspective 
before fully understanding what that person may be trying to say, what they may be trying to accomplish. And so often we, we I mean, we live in a, a society of the urgent microwave, fast food, text message, everything is now, but sometimes you have to be patient in the process. And so with us as a team, man, Pastor Mark or Pastor Paul, Pastor Ashley may have an idea and I may in the short term say, man, we're gonna to need to overcome these things. But if I zoom out and go, man, I know this is coming 18 months from now with another department that really could be the catalyst to set the vision up most successfully. So why don't I fully understand what's in their hearts so that way we can effectively carry it out? Yeah, that's really good. Oh, and the second thing, conflict is an opportunity to strengthen the relationship is the second thing I heard. So often we may try to avoid or evade conflict, but really it gives us an opportunity to say, and we've walked through this as a team and we've, by the grace of God, done it well, been able to say, hey, man, I may have misunderstood what you're saying, but this is what I heard and this is how it affected me. Or were you trying to say this? And oftentimes they weren't even trying to say that, but how we under, how we as a second party may have interpreted that may have been opposite because we each have filters, the way we were raised, what we're thinking, the season of life that we're in. So if we're not careful, we can fully misunderstand someone or we can keep our mouth shut and resentment build up when all we have to do is just communicate. That's really good. You know, Sam Chand, he came and spoke to our church, our staff and us, and he said something that stuck with me. He said, everything moves at the speed of trust. Everything, everything moves at the speed of trust. Whether you're talking about, you know, uh, Walmart, Quick Trip, Victory Church, uh, Disney, uh, any production, any movie, everything moves at the speed of trust. So if the executive producer has a disagreement with the director or the actor has a disagreement with the director, everything has to come back to trust. And trust is really worked out through communication. Yeah. And so what, what AJ's saying is so true is the more we communicate and, and share, hey, I think, I think I may have misheard you or misunderstood you, or why did you make that decision without us talking through that together? The more we can have communication. My dad used to say this. He was famous for these words. Anyone who knows, my dad knows what I'm about to say. Communication. Frustration ends where communication begins. Yeah, there we go. We're like, well, yeah, we got it. All right. <laughs> Frustration ends where communication begins. So let's bring that over here. John, where have you seen that in this team, in this, in victory? Or in our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. He's my brother. So I get to work underneath. Hey, you got a friend in me, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so Pastor Paul is my younger brother and I work for him. So as you guys are like, huh, how does that work out? It has been the blast. It's been a blast. I actually, it's been the grace of God. Um, you know, one thing that uh, whenever my dad was passing away, I, you know, it was one of those things that it was said, I know at one point, Pastor Paul, Paul, you're going to take over the church. And during, during that time, I, you know, that wasn't, ever said to me or anything and me being the oldest oldest son you know it was one of those things where like 
whenever it came out, Paul came and he talked to me before it was ever announced or anything. And I was like, dude, I totally support that. God gave me this thing. It was like, serve your brother. And it was one of those things that like, you know, and, and we joke about this, but you know, in high school, I was about like four inches wider this way and that way. Um, so I was a lineman. Coach Cherry coached uh, me as, so I was a lineman and Paul was the third, fourth string quarterback. Um, yeah, what was up with that coach? <laughs> Paul's strength was basketball. He's always been a hoops dude, right? Um, and there was, there was some, there was some times where, where Paul got to, where Paul got to play quarterback and we got to play together and I got to block for him. And I told Paul, I was like, dude, I was like, I will, I, I, I want to block for you. You know, I just want to, cause that was the whole thing. But you also know if anyone is aware of football, American football, that sometimes the linemen and the quarterback, they get in arguments. Because the quarterback is like, dude, I rolled out this way. You, did, you missed that block. But knowing, knowing, your, knowing like what you're graced with. Second Timothy, there's a scripture that I read in the Victory Bible reading plan this week. And it says, be strong in the grace the Lord has given you. Yeah. So many times we try to be strong in the grace that God has given other people. Yes. And, and so we wonder why we struggle with comparison. Yeah. Me and Kevin, are, we both work in the media departments. There's things that I am awful at that he is so good at. And I'm just like, I'm not even going to try. Because there's a specific grace that God has given every single person in this room. And being strong in that, it, it's very easy to hear things that you're just like, yeah, that's cool. Because that's not my strength. And so I don't have to be Superman. I'd rather be on the Avengers than be a superhero. Um, I'd rather be working with a crew and a team, right? Because you can accomplish more. So in saying that, some things that we've learned through tough decisions is that there is multiple times weekly or, or monthly that, um, that things come up and Paul just says, hey, this is, this is how it is. And I decided, I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not like trying to pat myself on the back, but I decided from day one, like my job is to block for you. So what you say goes, I'm going, like, we're going to argue about it. We're going to fight about it. Um, not as much as AJ, but um, and <laughs> AJ was the running back. So AJ's like, I want the ball. Um, anyways. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong, Coach Cherry? Okay, anyways. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I, and I know this is, and it, it may be different for you. You may be here and you are serving someone. If God has called you there, he's going to give you the grace to say yes whenever you hear no. Yeah. And the real test of those of you who are like, ah, oh, I wonder if I want to work in the ministry. Can you see behind the curtains of ministry and not have a poison heart? That's why I always tell people, please do not focus on a theology degree. That is so important. But please serve in a church long enough to get offended and stay. Yeah, that's good, John. That's so good. Hey, let me just say this, um, you know, part of, part of healthy leadership is being able to disagree privately and then publicly show that you're in agreement with the person that you disagreed with privately. And, um, and I'm not saying on ethical decisions, I'm saying on just like normal, everyday, organizational 
decisions. Uh, you might say, man, we shouldn't put the product right up here at the front of the store. It should be, this product should be back here. And they say, no, it should be up there. So you have your disagreement with that person behind closed doors. You, you guys work it out. Once you go, okay, I'm gonna go with what you decide because you're my supervisor. Or the supervisor says, you know what? You're right, let's go with your decision. Both people should publicly walk out and go, this is what we are going to do. Not, this is what he wants me to do. This is what we are gonna do. Everybody say, we. we. Yeah, so this is something I talk to our team on is guys like, at the end of the day, let's be a we um, conversation instead of a, this is my team or my staff decided this or I want this or he's telling me to do that. It's we are going to do this. We are going forward. We are excited about Tachi leading mission trips. We are excited yeah. about Mr. Cherry being our superintendent. We are excited that our staff come to Victory Church. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. We are doing a conference together, not Paul and Ashley. It's a we thing. It's not a me thing. Come and just on. for clarity, guys, AJ is one of the most supportive people. Oh, he yeah. fights for Pastor AJ's Paul. I'm totally leader. kidding. So don't think that we have like a beef. We're just yeah. kidding. Um, but you know, I think about how this, this, going back to the story of Elisha, one of the things that God was speaking to me this morning is so many people, their vision is blocked. And, and what is blocking your vision? What is blocking who, you, who you're called to be, what you're called to do? What's blocking what God wants you to see in this season? And uh, some of the things that we've had to walk through is that block our vision from what God wants to do is definitely um, age. You know, all of us on this stage are young leaders. And so sometimes we can look at our age and go, man, you know, maybe we don't have uh, all the experience that other people have, or maybe we are limited. And so what we've had to do to unblock the vision is to pull in people who are twice our age that are speaking into us, leaning on the wisdom from people that come in and speak to us, leaning on the wisdom of, of people in this ministry that serve on staff and say, hey, I know that you guys are praying through this decision. Let me just say, here's what God's speaking to me. Here's what we learned walking through this in the 80s, in the 90s. So there's practical ways to unblock your vision. It's not just prayer. Sometimes it's getting outside counsel and advice. Sometimes it's pulling in someone uh, into a meeting. And so we've done that before. We pull someone in and say, hey, we're all seeing something here. We need some help. We need some outside help. Another thing that I think has blocked our vision at times or blocked my vision, I definitely think John brought this up, is comparison. It's comparison. And what we had to realize is we are called to be a unique house. We are not called to be a copy of, and I love this church, I love Hillsong, but we're not a copy of Hillsong. I love and appreciate many ministries out there, but comparison can block your vision from who God's called you to be. So we've had to sit down and have conversations and go, hey, we can learn from them, but we're not gonna sit here and try to come up with a copy plan of how they do. We, we are uniquely different. And so um, some of the conversations we've had is, you know, sitting down and say, what kind of Bible college has God called us to have? What kind of Victory Christian School are we called to have? Because it's not gonna be a copy of Metro Christian School, Lincoln Christian School, uh, Heritage Hall Christian School. It's not gonna be a copy of Cashel Hall or Holland Hall. We are called to be uniquely us. And I wanna tell you, you are called to be a unique leader. You are called to do something that is uniquely you. God doesn't want you to be a copy of someone else or something else. You have a unique lane that is just for you. And so have those conversations where you um, talk about that. All right, let's talk to Henshaw for a moment. Henshaw, when you stepped into your role, 
working alongside of AJ and really helping out on the business side of the ministry? What are some things that you guys worked out together and, and have continued to work out together in, when it comes to leadership, leading together? Yeah, I think to go along with what you're saying on pulling advice from people wiser than we are, you know, we're 33 years old and um, in a ministry this large that has been around longer than we've been alive, um, you know, we can't walk into any situation, any decision, any conversation, any meeting thinking that we're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. You know, AJ and I both have to lean in and rely on counsel, people twice our age, people that have been through things. And even this building uh, project is, is a perfect example of that. We've been meeting with a lot of architects and engineers and civil engineers and general contractors and uh, people in the city, people that have so much more experience than we do. And so if AJ or I walk into that meeting with the thought process that we're the smartest person in the room to make the decision, we've already missed it. Yeah. We have to be humble, like you talked about earlier, to say, okay. And you guys have pulled Bruce Edwards in quite a bit. On we a have. Basis, who once served my dad and mom for more than 25 years. Yeah, Bruce was our administrative pastor for 27 years here and uh, has been a, an incredible counsel. I know he's here this morning. And uh, so there's a lot of times we'll call Bruce. He'll, he'll join us in those meetings. And so being okay, um, getting advice from others. And, you know, I think about this building. If, if we were to make every decision on it and we were to say, hey, let's do this, let's go with that, we probably wouldn't end up with a very great end product of a yeah. building because we've never done it before. But when you rely on people that have been there, done that before, and not just even in a building project, but when it comes to church finances, you know, if there's something that we want to sit and get advice from, we want to talk to people, hey, what? talk to us about what you've done before, what you've been through before. And so AJ and I working through that, um, you know, it is a, it's a large role. We're, we're such a large ministry with everything from the school, the Bible college, the camp, the dream center, the church, and all the different outreach and missions functions here. And so we have to lean into uh, people that have been uh, on the mission field. We have to lean into people that have run schools. We have to lean into people that have built successful colleges. And so uh, I think our approach every day has to be that getting on our knees, 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That grace is there for us. We, we wouldn't be in these positions um, if God didn't grace our lives to be here. So there's not that fear. We don't walk in with a fear every day of, man, I'm too young, I'm inadequate, I don't have the experience, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the education. Um, that can almost overwhelm any leader if you walk in with that mentality every day. But if you walk in with the mentality of, God, as long as I humble myself yeah. and I walk in with every conversation and every action and every uh, meeting that I go into with the humility of God, I know your grace is gonna meet there. That First Peter 5, 5, that grace and that empowerment. So that, that's our, our approach every day. And do we do it perfectly? No, um, but that's what God always brings us back to. Hey, my grace is there when you humble yourself. When you're okay as a leader saying, I don't have the answer, I don't know. A lot of times in conversations, we'll, we'll let you know, hey, we're gonna reach out to some people. We're gonna get some advice um, on this. And that's usually where that collective wisdom with AJ and I comes. Yeah, and one thing that we appreciate, yeah, uh, each of these words are so good, is one thing that God spoke to me is when AJ first stepped into the role he was doing five years ago, he was carrying several departments and I heard God say, this is not healthy for AJ, it's not healthy for you, it's not healthy for the church, to spread out the empowerment. 
And that's part of the reason why we started pulling in different guys to help oversee different areas so it wasn't bottlenecked just through one person. And so something God was speaking to me also was to trust and to empower the team to work together and, and, and to trust checks and balances. At Victory, we have a lot of checks and balances. You know, everyone's looking at, we have multiple people looking at what we do, the board looking at big decisions we're making, multiple people in our finances looking at decisions we're making so that we can remain accountable. Everybody say accountability is good. Right, right, and so it, it, a big ship, it takes time to turn it, but we're so thankful for the people that are in place that are working together, giving the advice, counseling us through those decisions. And uh, one thing you said the other day with our team, we have a weekly like two hour meeting, but you were talking about trees and I thought it was really good. Give like a quick summary of the difference of the redwood tree and the palm tree that you shared. You know, Pastor talks a lot about trees. If if you heard his sermons Come on, and I'm messages a tree man. and, and watching how fan. they grow and how their their uh, their process. I asked for that graphic behind me, by the way. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it was interesting. I, I was in a conversation with someone um, recently about trees, and and they mentioned the redwood forest, which is up in uh, northwest uh, United States, out in California, and through that whole area of Oregon and. Um, they were talking about the redwood and the strength of the redwood. And uh, if you don't know about the root systems of the redwood, which I didn't, they were educating me, their roots only go about five feet deep, but these trees are 100 feet, 150 feet, 200 feet tall. Um, so a five foot root system doesn't make sense. But when you understand and study it, the root system that's only five feet deep is sometimes 500 feet wide. Why is that? Because the redwood links onto the roots of the person next to it, the, the tall tree next to it. They link up to it and they grow out further. So a lot of times that tree's root system is five times wider than it is tall and it's linking up with people around it. It's linking up with trees around it. So, you know, for us as a team, that, that's our, our strength, um, being young, being sometimes inexperienced, being new to some of the roles that we're in, we've got to link up with people that uh, are strong and right beside us and walking through things. You know, the, the opposite is the palm tree. The palm tree goes down as, as deep as it is high, and so it can stand alone on it by itself, but the palm tree takes beatings. When a hurricane comes in, sometimes that palm tree will bend over so much that it'll actually be touching the ground, and the whole time that storm is coming, that tree is bent over, it's leaned over. Until the storm stops, then it comes back up. But a redwood never bends. A redwood never bends over. That palm tree can survive, but it takes a beating. The redwood forest takes a beating, but it never bends, it never breaks, it stays strong because of that root system. It's really good, really good, come on. All right, Ashley, you're the only lady up here, so talk a little bit about being that voice in the room that brings wisdom and okay, like, challenging good ideas. Like as an employee, you as my boss, you as my husband, no, I mean, which angle we come We're all in this together. In. We're all in this together. Yeah, because we're all in this together, that's what makes it real tricky. You know, I didn't know you were going to invite me up here, and I was like, I really hope he doesn't, because I'm not really ever sure what I'm really allowed to say. But um, anyways, so I mean allowed as far as just because we haven't had a talk previously about, hey, let's say this, let's not say that, you know, that type of thing. And honestly, that's one of the things that have helped us a lot is having pre-meetings before the meeting. <laughs> Um, when we do that, I think our uh, team and our staff experiences peace as well as the date night scheduled that night. 
Um, so I think that's really helped with communication with one another. Um, the stronger that we can get as a couple, I mean, the obvious, like the stronger that we can get as individuals really makes us stronger as um, a married, you know, a married couple. Andy Stanley says, we don't have marriage issues, we have people issues. Like if we can get stronger as a person, it overflows into our marriage. And so the more that we are committed to growing individually um, and our ability to listen and our ability to communicate and really discernment. I don't think Paul and I have an issue as much communicating using our mouth as much as discernment I'll just say it for myself, discernment of when and how and where to speak, you know? Um, everything that I say needs to be true, um, but everything true doesn't necessarily need to be said. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, Paul will say, he's like, you don't have to say everything on your mind. I was like, believe me, I didn't. It was just one of my file folders. <laughs> it's just one of my file folders. I got a lot more where that came from. Um, but... I think that for Paul and I to really communicate, um, for us to communicate with one another, knowing specifically what needs to be communicated to one another and when, I think really affects our team. And then also, I, even though that we are married and yes, we sleep in the same bed and we live together, but we don't want our whole life and it can't like revolve around work conversations. So I will tell our team all the time, please do not assume that Paul and I have talked and that we know um, what each other is thinking, what each other is saying. I do not want our team, our staff, this team, and outwardly to think that we're on opposite pages. You know, not that people are trying to set our us against each other, but it can just easily happen. Well, Paul said this, Ashley said that. And so if somebody comes to me, if I can remember it, and I, I feel like I've grown a lot in this area is, hey, has Paul already given direction? Um, what has Paul already said? Because I love people, but it will be the telephone game. And people will say, well, Paul, well, Ashley wants this. And, and I was like, all right, now we got to add that to our conversation to talk through. It's better just to like ask the question, hey, has, has there already been given direction on this? Or even not just um, as a spouse, but as you're working with, te with teams, you know? Um, again, it's unintentional. Um, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's um, intentional. Um, people on teams trying to stir up division, but most of the time, it's not. And it's good to ask, what has already been said about this decision? What yeah. is already out there? about that um, because otherwise it's a he said she said and when you have people on your teams it just is what it is everybody likes to name drop and so a lot of people um, you know they say hey well can I say Pastor Paul said this or can I say Pastor Ashley said this or can I say Kevin and so I think it's good to recognize hey well what what well, what did the others say we're a collective voice here yeah and again nobody's trying to set each other up against one another but it's good to look that out because we have to guard unity. We have to guard a, a, a unified, a unified voice. And so, um, so again, for Paul and I, the more that we have um, sought out, whether it's individual counseling, marriage counseling, the more that I don't share my first opinion about a situation to uh, Paul, that I have kind of my own sounding boards that actually live 
um, and other states of like, hey, can you walk me through this? I could be wrong. We all have blind spots, you know? We've shared that um, nobody has a 360-degree view of their life. Nobody has. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, no matter how much you think you've been a Christian or not, like nobody has a 360-degree view of your life. You all have blind spots. And so it's important to um, know what those blind spots are. And a lot of those blind spots have a lot to do with our personality. A lot of our blind spots have to do, someone mentioned it, you know, we grew up different. We have different backgrounds. You bring your whole self to meetings. (laughs) You bring your whole self. You bring your background. You bring a meeting even that you just previously came through. That's tough, you know. When you had a bad meeting, you're coming into the next meeting. You need a pre-meeting somewhere else. You need to go take a breather. Um, because otherwise you're about to maybe, um, I don't know, that meeting is not going to go the way that you want it to go. But I think the outside, the outside voice has really helped course correct. Um, also asking questions like, man, is this, is this really good? Is this real direction or is this just my preference, you know? And, and it's not wrong that it's necessarily a preference, but sometimes it's okay to release that preference and go that direction, you know, go another direction. But I think... For Paul and I, again, communication and this team, one of the best things that we did, I'm just, and I'll end on this, is, um, and helped uh, Paul and I as well, and again, there's so much stuff, like, with, with Paul and I both as, as, as leaders, you know, just because I'm comfortable leading, it doesn't mean I have to be in charge, and I will remind that. I think it's important to remind the, the leaders, like, hey, you're in charge. I'm willing to follow the direction you want to go. Um, Paul mentioned he saw that building being uh, sold five years ago, but we just sold it last, you know, last year. I'm thankful that he saw the vision, but he was flexible with the timing and really allowed people to weigh in um, before that happened. But uh, last, last uh, Victory Conference, actually, Darius Daniels, he was speaking, and in the back room, he mentioned how he took his team to see this heart healer. No, he mentioned the reference on stage about heart healer, and I was like, heart healer? Who's a heart healer? What's that? That's cool. So anyways, I asked him in the back, I was like, who's this heart healer person you're talking about? And so he introduced us to this lady, and we actually took our team there, uh, this team, to really just invest in one another um, uh, invest in one another and her poor in test. It was a team council session as well as a personal council session. And that was real pivotal for us because she gave us tools of how to communicate. Um, like we can't go forward much in agenda if we're having issues with one another and we have unresolved conflict. And so to really believe the best, we don't want to just work with one another. We don't want to just like love each other because that's what we're supposed to do. We want to genuinely like each other because when you can like the people you can work with, I think you can like your job a lot more as well. And you can go further together. And you can go forward. And it's not just dependent on working with just one sort of personality. It's learning to work with everybody. And so if you're having issues working with everybody, multiple people, maybe it's because you just need better tools on your belt. And so a lot of us, so we make sure to invest in our team and our staff um, that people would have tools on their belt to really um, to be here for the long haul, to not forfeit our season because our inability to give over an offense, our inability to have conflict resolution. I really see a lot of seasons uh, forfeited because of inability to work with people. That's not a good enough excuse. That's not God moving you on. That's yourself not growing up and not um, equipping your own self with tools. So anyways, that was a, a long answer, but I feel like it was pretty G-rated. <laughs> it was great. It was awesome. Come on. No, I love it. You know, one thing you said that I appreciate you saying is 
learning to work with all types of personalities. Um, and something that helped us with that was doing the strengths finder test and doing the, we did something called the Enneagram and then there's other personality tests like the DISC test. And you find out that you have more in common with people that might be 40 years older than you or younger than you and, uh, and, and even just learning that together and, uh, and working together and trusting each other. And, and so that's been really helpful. And then like she said, working through the conflict together, um, going to that heart healer and then having those tools that she shared. You know, when we realized, one thing she said was when there's a tone, there's a stone. When there's a tone, there's a stone. And a stone in your heart. A stone in your heart, yeah. So when the tone changes in the conversation, like, like for instance, yeah, an example. So let's say we're talking and, and I'm like, let's, let's say, let's, oh, okay, here's a good example. Um, me and Pastor Whitney George, we're really good friends. He's, he's a pastor in town. His dad, Willie George, started church on the move. Now Whitney's leading it. Um, there's been times where Whit and I have had to work, work in our conversations on, and I've noticed where when my tone changed, his tone changed. And we had to sit and talk through those things together and even realize how to understand each other in our, in our friendship. Um, same thing, I have a friendship, good friendship with Mike Todd in our city. And, and talking, yeah, come on, Pastor Mike. And so Mike and I even, so I'm, I, but what we had to realize is, whoa, the tone just changed. We were talking on this level and the tone just changed. And so how do we address that the tone just changed. Is there a stone there? And what is that stone? Is it because someone from my church left and went to your church? Or is it someone from your church left and came to our church? And let's not just sweep that under the rug and act like we're all perfect. Like it's 2019, the world needs sincere leaders, authentic leaders. We don't need like, leave it to, you know, the Stepford Wives, you know, I don't know. I just, I mix two TV movies, shows. but I, I think the world's tired of like fake leadership and like just skirting the issues. And I, the world wants leaders that are like, yeah, man, I did have a little bit of hurt there. I was, I was walking through my own pain. And that there is, there is a stone that needs to be removed. And, uh, and taking the time to talk that out. And so this team, we've done that where it's AJ and I have talked through those things. My brother and I, Mark and I, Kevin, you know, even yesterday, Kevin and I, we were texting about a decision that was going to happen in, in our service. And um, it was about this camera right here, this uh, slider camera. I wasn't sure if I was a big fan of it. I said, man, I just don't know if I want it right there. Maybe we have it over here. And so Kevin and I, we were talking about what was the best decision. Kevin, real quick, share how we came to a conclusion and a decision and what well, you did to work through the conflict. Yeah, so I think... Um a couple things are coming through from this. Six, true, successful, sustainable leadership has no room for ego. Yes. Um, you know, and I think as a leader, you recognizing like just your position doesn't necessarily identify how much you know, although sometimes that is the case. I feel like your leadership position, position puts a demand on what you need to learn or what you need to grow into really because, good, you know, there's always more responsibility the, the, the greater responsibility you have to lead. So yeah, I've actually referenced this example. We kept going back and forth and I don't think there was tones in the, e in the texting necessarily, but they were longer texts and it was like- And text can be misinterpreted. Right. How so, many of you have ever had a misinterpreted text message? Yeah, no almost. Emojis. Yeah. yeah, no emojis. That's why so I throw a lot of smiling emojis in there. 
so I'm not mad. Smile, smile, smile. Yeah. Keep going, Kevin. Emojis. Well, and I think it's so funny because we, you know, pastor texts me like, hey, I want to fix this. And, you know, the text probably revealed, it was like, ah, man, like, not right now. Like, conference is starting tonight. Like, there's other fish to fry, I think. You know, and so I was, I immediately went into, here's all the reasons why I think this decision that you're suggesting may not be the best right now. And it was like, you know, and he would say, hey, and, then, and then he would, and he would respond back like, okay, what if we do this? And I was like, well, about that, how about, you know? And then, and finally at the end, I was just like, I'll just try what you first said. I didn't say it like that, but I was like, hey, I'll try it and I'll send you a picture. Tried it, and at the end of the day, it was just like, yeah, the first thing he suggested worked. I should have just done it, you know? Like, I think in my mind, I was like, I've been put in this position to make these decisions. And I think that was like, it's like a microcosm, it's like a micro um, example of what happens at a larger level of, we are here to serve the vision. That's why, I, that's why I'm on this team, is to serve the vision, not to, to build up something that I've trained to do. You know, my role here is to continue to serve the vision and lead other people in, in having the heart and the mind to keep serving what victory's all about. The moment that shifts and I make it about me or my team or my thing, things get off. You can't have, that's division, that's dual vision. And so even though that's like a tiny example of just like, hey, I see this this way. As a, as a follower of the leader, I think we always need to continue to be checking our heart and recognizing like, where is this response coming from? I think it comes back to the heart healer. Like, I, again, just coming back to this place of, I'm here to serve the leadership that's been put in front of me. That's the position that I'm in right now. I'm not just in a leadership position, I'm in a following position. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good to, and I think that was, I think it was healthy conversation. Yeah. You know, I think it was just. And my, my complaint about it was I sat down, I, so yesterday I was praying over the room and then I went and sat down in multiple sections and listened to the volume because I got a, a beautiful voicemail from my mom saying, check the volume on the worship, make sure that the levels are just right. It was perfect. I'm so glad for my mom's wisdom and advice yeah. and looking out for our whole church. So I was listening and I was sitting in areas just going, you know, how does the screen look from over there? Can I see the speaker from over there? Can I look? And, and so one of the roles of a leader is to look at it from every angle, yeah. not just look at it from the front row, but look at it. I sat in section C, the last row, and I was like, oh, that looks good. This looks, this, yeah, good job, team, media team, AV team, um, cameras, and, and everyone who works on this, and Chris getting these side TVs over here and the volume. But... Um, so I was sitting behind the camera, we had this massive curtain, and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't see on that row, right where she's sitting, right back there. Wave your hand back there. You. Yeah, come on. So, can you see us okay? Come on, Jesus, so we fixed the problem. But we had this massive blockade, and so I was, that's where we were texting, and so we came to the conclusion that we would take the curtain down, we would keep the camera there because of the angle it gives to the thousands that are watching online that, that appreciate seeing that other angle. And so we came, to a, we came to a compromise. Come on, Jesus. 
All right, let me switch it up real quick. Um, Mark Kresge, we haven't got to hear from you. So let's talk. You just stepped into this role with Victory College. You've been working through all kinds of different things you've had to work through. Last night, you had your eyes covered in mud by Sammy Rodriguez. You, your eyes were open, just like we're preaching on today, opening our eyes. Talk a little bit about some of the things you've been learning, working with this team and stepping into this new role and, and, and the leadership that, that you're walking in. Yeah, I think... Um, one, I've just been super grateful, um, you know, stepping onto the team several years ago. Um, I, I've actually occupied several different roles over this uh, last several years, was a young adult pastor. Um, and, and really what I've, what I've enjoyed uh, following Pastor Paul and Ashley and being connected to this team uh, is the, the humility, the high relational. And I, I just want to say, like, I, th I think maybe you can even feel this, but this team doesn't, we're not just a working group. Like, we're not just all here, like Kevin said, like, trying to build some area or like climb some ladder of success, you know, like I think, you know, that's a conversation that we have is like, we're here to serve the, the, the house vision. We're here to serve the kingdom. And, uh, and we truly do love each other yeah. uh, as that team up here is like, we, we do care about one another. Um, half of our meetings at times are not even really about like the business side of things, but just say, hey, how's your heart? Uh, there's meetings that we walk into and we can just tell someone's off a little bit today and our meeting might just be a prayer meeting and praying for that person, talking about, you know, what they're walking through and helping them be uh, internally to externally healthy. And, uh, and it's one of the things I've appreciated. And so I think that has set a tone for us as a team uh, to be open, to have communication, to not be able to feel like, well, if I say this, it's just going to be pushed back and, and no one's going to hear me. But because we care and love about uh, love each other, I think it's it's fostered an environment for that. So, um, so for me, and the reason I share that is because it's, it's created such a trust on the inside of me for my leaders. Um, and so as I've stepped into different roles here, uh, a lot of the ways that it's helped me is, uh, and what I've really occupied is, is aligning to the vision and the heart and the culture that our pastors have. And so sitting at that table, uh, getting that firsthand opportunity to hear your heart and Pastor Ashley's heart as we come around decisions uh, is then to be able to step into a department and bring in the right team and, and recast the vision that aligns to y'all's heart and to where we're heading as a ministry. Uh, and so I've had the opportunity to do that in several areas. And then in November, stepping into Victory College, um, which really is a legacy college, been around a very long time. And uh, Ron McIntosh has done a great job over Come 20 on. years as the director. Pastor Ron. And, uh, and just so value uh, and, and learn so much sitting under your leadership for years. And uh, as Daniel was saying earlier, you know, I, I take the time stepping into this knowing I'm not the smartest person in the room. Um, really, job number one is uh, find the, the smarter person who has the roadmap to success in that area. And so I just sat down and said, hey, Ron, what are some things that you've learned over the last 20 years in this school before I jump in and start pulling the trigger on things and ideas and what's going to, you know, is, is, to, is to seek to understand and to listen, to comprehend some of those things. I believe that's wisdom. And, uh, and then from there is setting the right team. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned uh, is that as you are visionary leaders, you're setting the direction and the boundaries for us as a team. So I take that same heartbeat and I try to bring that to our team. Uh, our, to, our, to our college team. We've assembled a great team um, that is here to serve and to, and to be a part of that. And I just know I'm not the smartest guy in the room, so I'm gonna try to pull those people together. And, uh, and we're learning and we're growing in that, in that capacity and we're learning from other schools around the world. Uh, we're, we're pulling in some of those things, not trying to be like them, but pulling principles that we have seen that these work over time uh, to serve people best. And so, uh, so it's been a great journey. And so just, and, and even for myself, stepping into new roles, 
uh, challenging myself to grow at a higher level. Uh, just to know that, uh, to recognize I don't have, I do have blind spots and I have lids in my own life. And so I'm grateful for this team that helps me to say, hey, Mark, hey, I feel like this is an area that you can grow. And we've opened uh, the door for that communication that someone can come to us on the team at any given time and say, hey, I see this in your life. I'd love to see you go to another level in that because God's got great things for you. And uh, that's been one of the most encouraging and challenging things. And, and I believe that kind of... <laughs> Mark is like the little person that drives slow and they they keep their foot on the brake when they're driving that's mark like he's like no and we're like just go for it boy <laughs> i don't even know what that means but i'm yeah <laughs> but amen yeah but we love each other i appreciate proceeding with caution <laughs> yes i do yeah he's like just go i was like no caution so it's good we balance each other out which is awesome so uh, so there's a few things I'm learning, you know, just yeah. through the process, building, building the right team, though, uh, get, providing, you know, the right culture, uh, the right direction, the right boundaries. And I just think even courageous leadership, you referenced this earlier, just having the courage to say yes to the right things, going first mm. when other people can't see it, changing it's things good. when things have been the same way a long time. Um, that takes courage and that takes going first. And at the same time, the courage to say no to things. You know, there's so many things that we can do, uh, but... Maybe not all those things are things that we should do. And so yeah. having the courage to do that, even when it might be the unpopular opinion in the moment. Yeah, that's really good. You know, one thing that um, Pastor Mark did that was tough was we, we stopped our Tuesday night college service. And the reason we did was because it had become an island and it was a subculture church within a church. And a lot of the college young adults weren't going to any other church service, or if they were, they weren't plugging in, they weren't connecting across multi-generations, they weren't really um, being part of a capital C, like Jesus church of like old and young and not just 20 somethings, but everybody. And so we really prayed through it. We said, man, maybe the day will come where we restart this, but right now the culture really needs to come together um, in our weekend services, in our Wednesday nights. And it was tough. I mean, we caught a lot of flack. Mark caught a lot of flack. But he even said, he said, Paul, I really feel like we're supposed to do this. Natalie and I have prayed, because I said, I'm gonna put the ball in your court because I don't wanna be the bad guy. And, um, and so he was like, yeah. But we felt in our hearts something was shifting, even talking to other transition churches that walked through change, like Jonathan Stockstill, Judah Smith, and others who said, you know, you can't have a subculture college-age service when, you're, when you are a young adult pastor and you're trying to pull the young adults in with all the other generations. And so through that, you, you made that decision, we walked through that, and here we are a few years later and we've seen the fruits of that decision where we're seeing young and old working together, serving on the dream team together, working in the growth track together, and it's beautiful, but I just come back to what you're saying on that. And, can I say, and so I think too, it's, it's important as a leader to know your season. Uh, many times when seasons change, people are operating off of an old season when they should be operating in a new season. And, and a lot of times, as Pastor Paul mentioned earlier, being spirit-led, being sensitive, what is God doing in the now? What is God moving us into? Uh, God is leading us, which, which really implies forward motion. He's going somewhere. And so seasons change, moments change. I heard a leader, can't remember who it was, that said that yesterday's blessing can be today's restrictions. 
And I felt that was the reality in that season is that we were a, a thriving young adult ministry, but the season had shifted for our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to, you know, for God to open my eyes and, and show us, you know, what the next season was all about and, uh, and seeing that, you know, how he had positioned y'all and what was happening. And again, yeah, we saw the fruition of that take place. And so uh, it, it was difficult because people couldn't understand. And as a leader, you stand up there and people are going, no, this place has helped change my life and this has been instrumental and this is, and, and why there's no real good reason. And we said, listen, God has spoken to us. God has showed us what the new season is. We would love for you to come be a part of this. Uh, we're gonna transition this behind them. And we did everything we could to help make that take place and to serve young adults in that season. Uh, and, and, and one of the beautiful things that happened was those who didn't connect with the house here got connected at an actual local church, yeah, yeah. plugging in either at you know Life Church, Church on the Move, Battle Creek, Transformation, wherever it was. And that was our prayer was, you don't wanna just be a part of 20-somethings, you need to be right next to moms and dads and married couples. Like there's, there's health in a full local church. We weren't called to be in youth group our entire lives. Like at some point, you graduate, guys. We graduate. Give this team a big hand as I close this out. Thank you so much. Um, just a few thoughts, just to kind of sum this up. By the way, our breakout sessions, we're gonna dive deeper into conversations about transition. Um, I'm gonna sit in a uh, conversation with my mom. She's gonna really help carry this with Ashley and I. We're gonna talk about transition at one. And then at two, there's, there's uh, breakout sessions about youth and kids ministry and teams and building teams. But let me just say this. A couple thoughts are, what kind of leader do you wanna be? Just write that down in your paper. What kind of leader do I wanna be today? Not, not what kind of leader have I wanted to be over the last 10 years, 15 years, what kind of leader I wanted to be in college. What kind of leader do you wanna be today? Because every day is a new opportunity to be the leader that you really want to be, that God's birthing in you to be. A couple different styles of leadership that I've seen in my life. You could be a passive leader. There are passive leaders. We've had passive presidents. And, 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 and really, you just you don't remember what actually happened, what, what laws were passed or what was something built, what was done. I'm so thankful that my mom and dad did not model passive leadership. They modeled the opposite of passive leadership. It's just, we're gonna get stuff done. We're gonna build this. We're gonna expand the dream center. And because of that, we can look back and see the fruits. So you could be a passive leader. You could be a dictator type of leader where it's all about my way or the highway. Take that camera down. I don't want that, you know. But learning to compromise. The opposite of dictator leadership is teamwork leadership. You're, you're listening to the team. You're getting advice. You're open. You could be a micromanaging leader where you're not necessarily a dictator, but you're doing everyone else's job for them. You're trying to make the decisions for them instead of giving them the chance to make those decisions. Um, You could be a Hawkeye leader. (laughs) You're just watching over the shoulder of everybody, suspicious about everybody, can't trust anyone's decisions. You could be a deceptive leader. Now this is scary, this is happening more and more right now in our nation, in the world, in ministries. We're seeing this because the deception is exposed. Deception means you could be charismatic, you could be great at speaking, you could be great at leading meetings, but you are not the same guy off the stage that you are on the stage. You're not the same girl out of the meeting that you are. And so you have this deceptive ability. You're like a a chameleon lizard. You know how to blend in with the group you're with. And with this group, you're like, yeah. But with this group, you're like, and deception leadership never turns out well. I mean, this is where Absalom 
lost not only his desire to try to take over Israel, but he lost his life. His head was stuck in the trees out of his own, and he was a charismatic leader. He was a handsome guy. He could speak. He could rally troops. He made people feel loved, made people feel alive, brought people away from King David, brought them in his inner circle. Don't be a deceptive leader. Um, The other one is a manipulative leader. This is like Jezebel. You're using your emotions and your ability to communicate in a manipulative way and you're causing people to think they're making the decisions, but really you're getting them to do what you want them to do versus saying, you know what? I really want my leaders to hear from God and follow what God's calling them to do. I'll offer feedback if they ask for it, but I don't wanna be a manipulator. I don't wanna be that person behind the scenes that's pulling the the strings and controlling all the puppets. So what kind of leader do you wanna be? You could be an insecure leader and praise God that I'm getting set free and have been set free from insecurities. How many in this room, you're getting set free and have been set free from some insecurities? Yeah, because all of us, deal with those feelings of, man, I just don't know if I got what it, I'm too young and I didn't get my doctorate degree and I'm not as funny as that guy, but stop, stop, stop limiting your leadership just because you're not this or not that or didn't get this degree. Don't be an insecure leader. Be a confident leader. Be a confident leader. You could be an iron fist type of leader. This is how it's going to be, right? An angry, angry leadership. You could be a schizophrenic leader a bipolar leader, like you're happy in one day and then you're mad the next day and you've got multiple personalities and we're like, which one are we gonna get today? But don't be that kind of leader. Turn to the person next and say, what kind of leader do you wanna be? What kind of leader do you wanna be? And I want the keys to come out as I get ready to close because God was speaking to me today about just reminding you that you have the power today to choose the leadership style that you really wanna have. You are not limited, just because you might have been one type of leader four years ago, doesn't mean that you are handcuffed to be that leader the rest of your life. You know, something I'm thankful for is that God's mercies are new every morning. And as a leader, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that I am not handcuffed to my flaws or my insecurities from five years ago or some of the bad decisions I made years ago, I'm so thankful that every day I have a chance to continue becoming the leader you've called me to be. And today I wanna encourage you, there's mercy to be the leader that God's called you to be. The leader that God's called me to be, really there was three things that I wrote down that I I felt like were important to me as a leader. I wanna be a spirit-led leader. I wanna follow the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. I want my leadership to carry those spirit-led fruits. I don't want to just be a business leader. I want to be a spirit-led leader. Secondly, I want to be a servant-minded leader. I want to think what's not just good for me, but what's good for the people in that row, and what's good for the people in that back row, and what's good for all ages, not just my age. What's good for all people, and what's best for all of us? How can I serve this church well? How, what's, what, what can I do for my team? If, if the guys on our team are feeling exhausted, how can I give them a day off? How can I serve them from my role? How can I make sure that people are feeling loved and listened to and resourced and equipped to carry their department well? And one thing I've realized is the, the more responsibility I walk in, the more empowerment I need to give to the people around me, but not just empowerment, but the resources to do what I'm asking them to do and letting them know, hey, we're gonna help you get that job Done. So servant-minded leadership. And the last one is sincere leadership. Sincere. And I hit on that a little bit, but 
Don't be fake. Be authentic. Be authentic. And be authentic about your good sides and the sides that still are being improved on. Like, I tell my team, hey guys, this is something that I'm growing in. Pray that I keep growing in this because I want them to know I see it. And if I don't see it, I want you to tell me so I can see it, so I can continue working on it. Be authentic. Just be yourself. Just, just, this is what uh, a lot of pastors spoke to Ashley and I when we first stepped in as pastors. They said, you know, just be yourself. Don't lose yourself in this. Don't try to be just like your dad. Don't try to be just like this preacher over here. Be authentic. Be sincere. The world needs sincere leaders. What, is, what does that mean? That means that I'm leading from a healthy place in my heart. Sincere leadership means I'm aware there's areas I'm still growing in and I'm gonna work on those areas. I'm listening to outside advice. I'm getting counsel from people around me. I'm not stuck in a past season. I'm continuing to move forward into who God's called me to be, what God's called me to do.